The Jewish views on Donald Trump's provocative comments. We get the American Jewish perspective. And Hanukkah in the Square 2015. In this edition, we'll bring you all you need to know about one of the biggest Jewish parties of the year. We'll bring you some of the backstage gossip. And we'll speak to some of the participants who made up the event. But first, with a roundup of some of the main Jewish news stories from the past week, I'm Vivian Krieger. A Conservative peer has suggested that the Foreign Office seems to be blocking any chance of an official royal visit to Israel. Lord Polak, the former director of Conservative Friends of Israel, made the comment at the organisation's annual Westminster lunch, saying that it's a bit of a stain on British-Israel relationships and that he hopes it will be sorted out by the Middle East minister. Lord Janna is unfit to stand trial over allegations of sex offences against boys dating back 50 years. A High Court judge made his decision based on medical reports, which outline the declining health of the 87-year-old peer who has dementia. Lord Janna, who was suspended from the Labour Party in April, and his family have always denied any wrongdoing on his part. Two councils in Wales have reversed their decision to boycott Israeli goods after court proceedings were issued by Jewish Human Rights Watch. Gwyneth County Council and Swansea City Council said the motions had been non-binding. Five councils in the UK still support the boycott, however, and the JHRW has vowed to redouble its legal efforts against them. The Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn helped light up the menorah at a Hanukkah event in his Islington North constituency, which was hosted by the local Chabad Lubavitch. Mr Corbyn joined 600 other people at the event, telling them it was fantastic to see such a great crowd. Emily Thornbury, the Labour MP for Islington South, said Hanukkah is a festival for all of us, whatever background we have. And finally, Elton John is to headline the next Life Festival in Oswinchim, the town in Poland where Auschwitz was located. Elton said he'd been shocked by the recent terrorist attacks in Paris and that the festival celebrates life, peace and music. He'll perform there in June, a month after appearing in Tel Aviv, which will be his fourth visit to Israel. That's the news. Now here's Andrew with a look at the sport. Thanks, Viv. Tony Milch says he wants to fight for a title in 2016 after he won his ninth successive fight at the weekend. The 34-year-old from Bushy beat Kevin McCauley on point in his welterweight clash and believes that's now set him up for a title shot in the new year. Elsewhere in the boxing ring, newly ordained rabbi Yuri Foreman made a winning return as he, like Milch, also won on points, defeating Lenwood Dozier in the super welterweight bout. Foreman is a former WBA super welterweight champion, retired two years ago through injuries but his love for the sport saw him make a comeback. Israel has just finished hosting the European Short Course Swimming Championships. The Wingate Institute in Netanya welcomed hundreds of competitors from nearly 50 countries and was deemed a success. Last week's match of the day in the Jewish Football League saw Redbridge beat Faithfold 3-1. Sam Solossi produced an eye-catching performance, including two second-half strikes, both of which are well worth a view on the sports channel of jewishnews.co.uk. This week's big match sees Division 2 leaders Scrabble looking to make it 10 wins from 10 when they travel to second place Hendon B, with their manager Ray Abraham saying his team are facing more pressure with each passing game. Finally, while this week has been a mixed bag of results for English football clubs in the Champions League, Maccabi Tel Aviv were beaten 1-0 by Dynamo Kiev on Wednesday night. 
The defeat was the Israeli champions' sixth straight defeat in the group stage, and their zero points and one goal scored means they'll go down in Champions League history as one of the worst performing sides in the group stages of the tournament. Thank you, Andrew. Well, it's not all about Hanukkah in the square. First two this week, as we're always going to start off on the Jewish views. Let's have a look and see what is going on in the paper this week. I'm delighted to say that joining me now is the managing editor of the Jewish News, Richard Ferrer, along with features editor Fran Wolfish. Welcome to you both. What have we got first of all, Rich? Should we start up with the front page? Yep, always a good place to start. A bone of contention for the Jewish community for, for years, if not decades. Why has the Queen never gone to Israel? She's gone to over 115 different countries. She's been on 260-odd international trips during her time on the throne. She's been to Qatar, Saudi Arabia. She's never been to Israel. Well, a Conservative peer this week suggested that the Foreign Office has been blocking a royal visit for whatever reason. And uh, the fact that it's a a Tory peer accusing the Foreign Office of that makes it an even stronger story. It's nothing new. It's a sore point. Whether the Queen will ever go to Israel, it's highly unlikely. It's more likely that her son Charles, who's a a great friend of the community, great friend of the kinder transport refugees, and a great friend of Israel, might eventually go to Israel. But it seems like Queen Elizabeth never will. But it's important to stress at this stage, though, that it is only a suggestion by a Tory peer as opposed to an actual confirmation. So it's not officially that she is denying going or the Foreign Office are denying her to go to Israel. This is more about what a peer has suggested might be the case. Is that right? Yeah, obviously, there are political issues with Israel. There's a a delicate balancing act that needs to be performed here. There's question marks over why she would have gone to Saudi Arabia or Qatar or other members of the royal family have gone to other Arab states, whereas Israel hasn't been one that they've gone to. There's delicate political situation here and uh, I think nothing new has been said but it's worth reiterating that if the Queen or a member of the royal family were to go on an official royal visit it would be I think a profound moment for Anglo Jewry perhaps up there as one of the most important moments in British Jewish history since we we came back to the UK under Oliver Cromwell what 350 years ago. That's how important this would be. So that's why it's on the front page. That's why it's always a good conversation. And that's why I think it's good that the Conservative peer brought it up again this week. Okay, well, expanding on that story, as we heard just now in the news with Viv, Fran, what else have we got this week? Well, actually, we've got a really fascinating documentary, which is going to be on BBC One, which is about what it's called Saving the Forgotten Jews. And it's about the dramatic rescue of 20,000 Ethiopian Jews which, of course, I mean, people already know about Operation Moses and Operation Solomon. It's been well covered. But what's different about this documentary is it actually goes into the kind of this, the behind the scenes of how these rescues came about. As you know, the Ethiopian Jews were forced to leave their home country in the late 70s. They ended up in Sudan, which was probably equally dangerous for them. And Israel decided they needed to get them out and as quickly as possible. One of the more fascinating aspects of this story story is that Mossad was involved and they actually through the help of Lord David Alliance who then was not so well known businessman he helped set up a fake office in Khartoum as a base from which Mossad operated and from there they actually set up a fake holiday resort and what they would do is they would transport the Ethiopian refugees through the desert to this fake resort and at night they arranged for a military plane to take them to Israel. It's really quite amazing because 
there wasn't enough time to expand on this in the documentary, but actually the holiday resorts started turning a profit and they mm. had Sudanese ministers turning up wanting to stay there for a holiday and suddenly you had a situation where Mossad agents had to pretend to be holiday reps. So, I mean, there's some kind of comedy to an otherwise quite poignant story. Do you know what I find particularly fascinating about this particular community is that if we think that Jews are the persecuted race, which we know that we are primarily. But the other thing as well, I think that if you take it one step further and look at the Ethiopian Jewish community, they almost seem to be the forgotten persecuted Jewish community. Because I I don't really think that I would, when I think of, and I'll admit this, when I think of the Jewish community, I'm not convinced that I automatically think of the Ethiopian Jewish community. So it's great that the BBC are not only highlighting this to maybe people who aren't of the Jewish community, but actually to the community itself to remind us that actually there are people out there who are far worse off than we've got it. So, Rich, I believe that uh, a man who's been, well, quite all over the news this week, regardless if it's the Jewish or otherwise, is uh, a certain Mr. Donald J. Trump. Yeah, what did you think when he suggested that America should shut its doors to Muslim immigration until we can, I think, quote, figure out what's going on? It's extraordinary, isn't it? You've got Trump in uh, in America, you've got um, the rise of Le Pen in France, you've got the, the rise of the far right in Hungary and Russia and across other parts of, of Europe. Politics is turning, and unless you're Jeremy Corbyn or elements of the militant left wing of the Labour Party, politics is turning more right wing uh, across the world. So Donald Trump, He's he's said a lot of things about a lot of people, including uh, Mexicans. Now it's the Muslims. And obviously, it's very troubling. He said that there's parts of London that the police are afraid to go. There are parts of Paris that are no-go areas. It's a lot of dangerous nonsense being spouted by this man. And he was due to meet Netanyahu in Israel on the 28th of December. Literally half an hour before we were recording this show, he tweeted that he will not be going to Israel now until he is president. So I think uh, Israel's dodged a bit of a a scandal and a a bullet on that one because had Trump gone to Israel to speak to Netanyahu, um, I think a lot of Israel's enemies would have uh, made a a lot out of that. So I think uh, we've avoided uh, a little bit of a panic over that one. So I think the further Trump stays away from Jerusalem the better for the at least for now I do think we need to make it clear though that obviously there are some people out there in the interest of balance who are saying that actually all Donald Trump is doing is and all these other as you say rise of the right wing they are actually just speaking what's on a lot of people's minds and where I think that that needs to be looked at is rather than looking at it as a negative thing and saying oh my goodness me it's the rise of the right it's it's Nazis all over again nothing like that what I think that we need to learn from this personally if I'm allowed an opinion which technically I'm not but I'm going to give it anyway is that we should actually be looking at this as highlighting what some might call ignorance towards other religions, other backgrounds and other belief systems that people need to maybe address rather than say, oh, this is terrible. What are we going to do? Actually look at saying, well, hang on, look, you know that people have these views, but what are we going to do about these views? And, and perhaps that's maybe where we need to more be looking at rather than just launching an attack. And this petition, for example, with over 350,000 signatures that says ban Donald Trump from coming into the UK 
technically speaking, is stuff of nonsense because A, you know it's not going to happen and B, actually, no, welcome him here. Re-educate him. Show him what London is like and the areas that he refers to, whether or not there really is any danger there or not. If I can just add, I think, you know, Trump's fatal error here really has been that he made such a sweeping generalisation. He said he wanted to ban all Muslims. All he needed to do was really say he wanted to ban all extremists. I think that really would have changed the connotation and what you know, the meaning of his words, people have reacted so badly to what he said. And not that I'm defending Trump, please, you know, I don't mean to think that. But I think, you know, had he qualified it a bit more, it would have made more sense, really. Oh, it's a fair point. And and again, one I'm sure that will obviously unfold furthermore, but it's the same with most politicians, I think, regardless if they're here or in America. And that is that once they say something, it's very difficult for them to go back on their words without looking stupid, I guess. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, Rich, there was a reason why you weren't joining us for our very first edition last week of the Jewish Views, and that's because you were sunning it up in a lat. I listened to the very first episode uh, by the pool at the uh, Dan Hotel on the Red Sea. Oh, I'm Um, so sorry you had it rough. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to have missed the first show, but yes, I promise you I listened to every word. Uh, Monarch have just started flying direct flights. It's the first time they've gone direct to Elat every Thursday. And... I don't know about you, but for me, I think Elat is the the poor relation of holiday destinations in Israel. We all go to Tel Aviv, we go to Jerusalem, Netanya and Haifa. Elat seems to be the sort of place you go to once, maybe for Passover. And then because it's so far away, you have to take an internal flight. It's not near really anything. Even the Dead Seas are an hour and a half schlep away. You don't normally go back. And I hadn't been back for 10, 15 years. The place is amazing now. It's blossoming. There are boutique restaurants and hotels and cafes and, and arts and crafts stalls and beautiful places by the beach it's really becoming a very vibrant and exciting place and obviously now Sham is completely off limits in Egypt people aren't flying there Monarch themselves have stopped flying there it's about 150 miles south of Elat I believe now Elat has the opportunity to become the destination on the Red Sea for British tourists I was very lucky to be able to spend five days there and then we traveled up through Timna to the Dead Sea and and to Tel Aviv. Fran here was actually meant to be going on it but couldn't take the time off. So uh, her loss, my gain. Gift to you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you very much. You owe me next time. (laughs) I'll be writing a piece in the paper in January on that. And I don't personally think it's the least bit suspicious that the the managing editor of the paper manages to overrule the features editor and takes the holiday. But hey, you know. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I know. I I didn't pull rank and unfortunately (laughs) uh, you can't see uh, the lovely tan I have on uh, on the podcast but uh, yeah it's wonderful and as I said it's Not a great opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really windy in Elat but it's a great opportunity as I said for Elat to, 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 to be rem- for people to be reminded how exciting and how well developed and, and, and how new and vibrant and exciting Elat is as a holiday destination in Israel. You're listening to The Jewish Views brought to you in association with The Jewish News There's been some rather big news stories to come out of America this week, as you heard just now in the paper roundup. Obviously, Mr. Donald J. Trump has been stirring some sense of controversy with some of his comments that he's made this week. And also in other more positive news, we learn that President Obama has been marking Hanukkah at the White House to talk about these stories and also to give us a possible American Jewish perspective on the matter. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Lenny Crystal, who, well, you're quite a a big deal in in the Bay Area. Do you mind telling us, Lenny, for those who might not have heard what you do, what it is exactly that you do do? (laughs) 
Big deal. Yeah, that's a lovely description. Perhaps in my family, <laughs> I don't know. But no, basically, I'm involved in something called the Jewish Community Relations Council. We are the official voice of the Bay Area, the larger Bay Area Jewish community, uh, representing about 60 synagogues and the 300,000 Jews. I sit on the main board and I chair the Middle East Strategy Committee. We're involved in advocating for Israel and interfaith outreach and so on. So just to put it in some sense of perspective for our English listeners, that means that you are potentially responsible for a community that is actually larger than the number of Jews that we actually have currently living in the United Kingdom. So there you go. That's some sense of perspective for you. Now, Lenny, right. there, there are two main stories, as I just mentioned, that have come out of America this week that we have to talk about. I think we'll start off on the slightly heavier note. We've obviously got Donald Trump, who is doing all that he can to ensure that he will become the next Republican leader. And of course, some of the comments that he's come out with this week have had quite interesting reactions. Certainly this side of the pond, they've had interesting reactions because you've had people who have said, well, actually, he's he's saying what a lot of people are thinking. He's just saying it how it is. And thank goodness for that, a politician who does at long last. But then on the other hand, of course, you've had, understandably, a bit of outcry from people saying, well, you can't say that in this day and age. Of course, we are referring to his comment about the Muslim population in America and saying that there'll be a sort of, quote, total shutdown on Muslims entering the U.S. until the country's representatives can figure out what exactly is going on. What would you say, though, that the, the Jewish American reaction to those kind of comments have been? Because obviously... Jews have been on the receiving end of such comments in the past. Not necessarily from Donald Trump, obviously, but in but, history we have been. Yes, uh, that's a very good question. I think I'm fairly safe in saying that the uh, vast majority of Jews in the United States found his comments to be reprehensible. When you look at what he said, as you yourself, Phil, have just indicated, Jews have been persecuted through the ages on the basis of their religion. And what uh, Trump has essentially done, he's repeating the same sort of rhetoric, but he's simply changing the name of the religion. And, of course, this goes against everything that we at JCRC stand for, uh, which is basically, you know, freedom for all, social justice and so on. But also, I think, against core values that Jews have and represent publicly. We understand why he's making these comments. It's obviously a political calculation on his part. He's certainly trying to appeal to a constituency as an independent thinker, somebody who says what he thinks, very often goes against the grain of political correctness. And in some sense, he's actually tapping into the vein of real frustration in the United States with the establishment, with the, the current political scene, and he understands that. He's a brilliant television showman. So he's writing this for all he's worth. And he's, he's calculating how best to play the media. Because effectively what's happening is the following. And we'll get back to his comments in a minute. But he actually commands the media in the United States. He commands the airwaves. So somebody calculated the other day that uh, in terms of what happened after his pronouncement, his egregious pronouncement about a Muslim travel ban to the United States, the American public had not seen anything on the media like the wall-to-wall -wall coverage that they gave him since 9-11. He apparently, somebody looked at this statistically, 
He garnered $24 million worth of free airtime across the airwaves, both on radio and television, which obviously his competitors are bemoaning and are castigating the media for giving him this airtime. But imagine the impact and the effect that he has. So he, he comes up with all these, these ideas, all these policy statements, which I think nobody really believes in their heart of hearts, certainly not amongst the, you know, the overwhelming majority of Jewish voters in the country, uh, stand a chance of actually becoming reality. But to be candid, we've misread. I think most pundits have misread Trump's staying power. I note that after he made such comments, his popularity standing in one of the major polls here went from 30% of voters or Republican voters up to 38%. Goodness, so, so he's, he's clearly doing something right then, isn't he? But why do you think, I mean, obviously this is probably a matter of opinion rather than fact, but I'd still like to sort of gauge what you think all the same. Why do you think he's getting that airtime that you spoke about? Because if what he has said is truly abhorrent and and most people, whether they be Jewish or non-Jewish in America, who really don't like what he's come out with this week, mm-hmm. he must be doing something to get that airtime. Uh, and yes. do, do we know yeah. why he is? Well, it's speculative, as you say. Uh, the, you have opinions ranging on the one hand from conspiracy theories that he's actually a lifelong Democrat who changed his clothes in order to help Hillary get to the White House. On the other hand, yes. as a television personality himself, the, the media are obsessed with him, so he simply plays into that and continues to do that because it's actually garnering him the kind of publicity that ordinarily he wouldn't get. I don't think there's anything sinister about it. He simply knows how to play the media, and he's, he's using that for all, he, he, you know, for all he's worth. He's spent very little on his campaign, probably $3 million, somebody calculated. So why change? Which, let's, like, let's be honest, for Donald Trump, is short change. <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even chump change. <laughs> but I mean, why change something that's not broken as far as he's concerned? The media give him this currency. The media play into it and keep repeating it. And their reason for doing so is its ratings. It brings them money. It brings them commercials. It brings everything that's surrounded by it. I mean, Barbara Walters, who's an iconic figure uh, in American television, who retired a couple of years ago as one of the best-known interviewers on television. Yeah, even, even I've retirement. heard of Barbara Walters. So if I have, I'm sure others have. <laughs> she came out of retirement uh, a couple of days ago to interview Trump. Goodness. I mean, that's the sort of circus that um, exists around him here. It's quite extraordinary. It really is. And it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens over the coming weeks. As we said just now, people have just heard in our paper review that it really is a case of watch this space and see what happens. Now, on the flip side, on a lighter note, there has been some rather nice news to come out of the US this week as well. And that is that President Obama has been marking Hanukkah at the White House, which is very good of him, considering that there's been a lot of, I think it's fair to say, concern from certain members of the global Jewish community that maybe he's not as much of a friend as, say, previous presidents might have been. But he has all the same. He decides to mark Hanukkah. So, so tell us what exactly he did. What did he get up to for that? Right. Well, I liked your introductory comment about on a lighter note. Actually, he didn't use a lighter. They used matches. I think that's halakhically correct. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. It's customary annually uh, because really it's an inclusive country, as you know, America. And uh, I'm very happy to report that he held a very public ceremony in the White House. He does this every year. Every president actually does this. And there was a lot of ceremony around it. It was joyous. It was pleasant. And it did purvey 
you know, a comfortable feeling for Jews who feel very comfortable in the country. I'm very struck by America's attitude towards Hanukkah, which really is purveyed in, in a very popular way here. You can go into stores downtown, San Francisco, you will see a menorah in many shop windows. Uh, when they end the, the evening news, they'll, they'll wish everybody a happy Hanukkah. And uh, I think Obama did a very good thing by actually having this covered on the national news. And of course, it, it lets people understand, you know, that he identifies with not just our religion, but most, well, most religions here when they have public ceremonies and, and, and cultural occasions of this nature. So yes, it was pleasant, it was good. Whether it's going to impact people's feelings in the longer term about him or his attitude towards Israel is an entirely different matter. I think most people recognize it for what it is. It's a warm, fuzzy public relations exercise, but at the same time, it actually entrenches the view that the White House is supportive of, of Jewish festivals and religious occasions. Well, here's hoping. Dr. Lenny Crystal, thank you so much for speaking to us on this edition of The Jewish Views. Don't forget, if you would like to get involved, we would love to hear your Jewish views. You can email studio at jewishviews.co.uk or you can contact us via social media. Find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Jewish Views or on Twitter. We are at Jewish Views UK. On Thursday, the 10th of December, Hanukkah in the square for 2015 well and truly got off the ground. And my goodness me, what an event. Most of the Jewish Views team were there, as well as some of the Jewish News team as well. And we spent many a happy hour in the rain, I'm hastened to add. Yes, unfortunately, it did chuck it down speaking to various members of the organisational team and also some of the senior figures in our community, as well as members of the community as well. So now we'll bring you a little insight into what happened. First of all, we're going to hear from the man we spoke to last week on the programme. Well, Diana Toman spoke to him last week on the programme in full. It was Simon Johnson from the Jewish Leadership Council. And I started by asking him what he made of Hanukkah in the Square 2015 so far. Well, the, the best news so far is that it hasn't rained. The uh, forecast all day was for there to be rain. Well, we've got a good crowd here. We've been going for 10 minutes. I can already see people dancing. There's a lovely atmosphere. And are you hopeful that some of the, uh, the, the crowd is not going to be put off by any potential rain that might come along later? Well, they're here now, so if it rains, I'm afraid they're all going to get wet like the rest of us. But I'm hoping that the uh, party atmosphere that started is going to continue. Fantastic. Well, we'll lock the gates and hopefully they won't go anywhere. Well, and, it's, and we've already had the Maccabees uh, rehearsing. They're going to be, a, I think, a huge hit for this crowd. So uh, stick around. Now, one of the main attractions of Hanukkah in the square is without doubt the various acts that perform on the massive stage that's there. And the stage was fantastically lit and very atmospheric, to say the least. There were loads of lights going off behind it. And there was really a rather large crowd for this year's Hanukkah in the square. Not in the least bit put off, I'm pleased to say, by the rain. Now, despite what we heard just now, when I spoke to Simon Johnson, he was saying that so far the rain had held off. Well, no sooner had he said that, sure enough, the heavens did indeed open. But on the stage, we heard from many acts, no less from the Maccabees, who, of course, were the star attraction. But we also heard from the Neshema band as well. But 
We then had a rather nice little feature from the Akiva School, some of the choir. Well, Kate Fulton spoke to some of the pupils from Akiva School, and here's what happened when she did. So I'm talking to Akiva Primary School. You were fantastic, and I want to know what it was like to have to practice for hours for all these songs. What's your name? I'm Lucy. Um, well, every Friday we come together before school at 8.15 and we practice for an hour, approximately. And we had to rehearse a lot lately because this week we were getting ready and preparing for today and it's been worth it. And did you actually enjoy doing it on the stage? My name's Dina and I really enjoy doing it on the stage. So Dina really enjoyed it on the stage. And did you feel there were just so many people there? What did you think when you saw them out there? Um, when I saw everyone, I was really, really nervous to think about just singing in front of everyone. But then when I got onto the whole, but when, then when I got onto the stage, it, I just let loose and I and I saw everything in a different way. How was it teaching all, bringing them all here today? No, I think we managed all right. We managed all right. And we're very, very happy to be here. Can you tell me your name? Janina Kuku. And what do you teach? I teach music. So there was, they had to properly sit and learn. These kids are from the choir? Yes. This is the chamber choir, part of it. Just half of the chamber choir. And with the head teacher, what's your name? I'm Susie Stone. And what made you bring the kids along today? It's great to be part of to feel part of a community and also for the children to understand that in London we can celebrate Hanukkah in the centre of London and that's a great privilege. How proud are you of the kids? Always proud of Akiva kids. Well done everyone, you were fantastic! I think it's fair to say they had a rather good time. One of the other individuals who we were very lucky enough to have on stage was the Mayor of London himself, Boris Johnson. Boris spoke to Justin Cohen from the Jewish News. And Justin started off by asking him to compare Hanukkah in the Square to some of the other events that he's been to during his time as London Mayor. I don't think I've seen Trafalgar Square so packed as it is tonight with uh, people celebrating Hanukkah and uh, very good. I think these are the Maccabees who are now playing and you know it's a great great event. I've done it every year for eight years and I, as I've always promised I think possibly to you and others that I would go to Jerusalem and uh, we finally kept that promise and it was the most wonderful trip. Absolutely fascinating and I think one of, one of the things it underscored for me was the huge connections between London and Jerusalem and London and Israel and the amazingly vibrant uh, tech sector that they've got there and all the uh, all the ways that we're cooperating on uh, financial services and many other things. Boris, I wanted to ask you, you, you stood up for Israel uh, during your time in Israel. Will you continue to do that after, your ma- after you finish the mayoralty? I can assure you that I've been, if you consult my record, I, I, you know, I, I first spoke in favour of the state of Israel having uh, the age of about 18, I think at the 
So look, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I think that you know, there, it's, it's obviously it's complicated, and there are there are difficult questions on both sides. But in the end, Israel is a massive, massive uh, positive force in the world, and, and you've got to, you people have got to understand that. And uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, yes, of course, I will continue to stand up for Israel and for my beliefs. Okay, just finally, uh, the Tel Aviv in London festival that you were a, a major driving force behind. Uh, what do you think that's going to bring to London when it happens in 2017? I, I hope it will be a wonderful event, and uh, alas, I won't be, you know, absolutely f instrumental to the. Well, I've, I've been instrumental to it. It's a, it's, a, it's a happening, but I won't be the. I won't be uh, leading it, unfortunately. But I wish everybody a fantastic uh, Tel Aviv festival. It's going, you know, listen, Tel Aviv is going gangbusters. I was very interested in what's happening in that city, and I much enjoyed my time with Ron Huldai, the mayor of Tel Aviv, a really good guy. Um, you know, in many ways a man after my own heart. I thought he had a lot of a lot of uh, stuff he was doing that I really approved of. Um, you know, I think the more people understand, the, the more they get to know each other, the less prejudice there is. That's what I'm interested in. Which is a good way of showing people the real Israel. Yes, of course. And look, every, you know, I, everybody wants a solution to the uh, Palestinian question. Everybody, you know, I want that sorted out. But so does every Israeli. In the end, we want we want peace, and that's got to be that's got to be the objective. London Mayor Boris Johnson speaking to Justin Cohen, the news editor of the Jewish News there. Well, there were several key figures there. It wasn't just Boris Johnson. There were other members of parliament there as well. And in particular, I think a member of our community who we all look to as a figurehead one way or another was the chief rabbi himself, Ephraim Mervis, who was also part of Hanukkah in the square for 2015. I managed to snatch a moment of Rabbi Mervis's very valuable time and I asked him what events such as Hanukkah in the Square do for our great community. This evening I have a great sense of pride, pride in our opportunity to express our Judaism in public, pride in the fact that so many thousands of people have come in this inclement weather in order to celebrate their Judaism here. We're uh, proud citizens of this great city and uh, it's a fantastic feeling and with events like Hanukkah in the square I think one of the things that was going through everybody's mind was the sense of security do you fear for the security of, of our community or, or do you think that we just need to as it were not let the bad guys win I guess it's wonderful for us here in Trafalgar Square this most iconic location here in London to come out and to celebrate our Judaism and I think uh, we're exceptionally fortunate to have this opportunity uh, and it's brilliant to see so many people here having a great time. And more importantly, are you having a good time? Absolutely. Now, organising an event such as Hanukkah in the Square obviously takes a mass of different community figureheads in order to put it together. In particular, we've obviously got the Jewish Leadership Council we heard earlier on from Simon Johnson. Let's also not forget organisations such as the Westminster Council, who of course had to be involved, as well as the London Jewish Forum, the Mayor of London, and the CST, Chabad Lababich UK. All of these different organisations all came together to make this fantastic event happen. Speaking of Chabad, they were responsible for handing out frankly, rather a lot of donuts. I think Diana has been investigating just how many donuts were handed out. How many? <laughs> uh, 6,000. 6,000? We gave out $6,000 tonight. That's only Over 6,000 Jews. Do you, expect, do you expect to get out that many each night? Well, it happens. 
We've done it for the past five nights. Right. Have you been able to enjoy any of it or have you just been walking around the whole time? Our fun is at the fact that we get to share. So the more we share and the more that we give and the more smiles that we get, that's our fun. That's the most fun that we could get. Great. That's a fantastic philosophy. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you for the donuts. I have to confess that I had the delight of having one of those donuts. I'm not entirely sure how many of those I could actually eat, purely based on the fact that, in typical donut style, they were so very sickly sweet that I'm not sure I could have managed more than the one I had. But it was very nice, and it was certainly a rather interesting change, supplement-wise, for what would have been ordinarily dinner at that time as well. But I think that there was a lot of happy faces, thanks to Chabad Lubavitch UK, for all of those donuts. Now, I think we couldn't possibly end a roundup of all that happened at Hanukkah in the Square for 2015 without finding out what some of the punters, some of the community members thought. Here's what they had to say about Hanukkah in the Square. Absolutely amazing. Have you been before? Yes. yes. We usually come every year if we can. But, but what a great uh, event to see Boris Johnson and everyone celebrating Hanukkah and peace and light in the world. May long continue. Amen. Have you guys been to Hanukkah in the Square before? Basically, um, I've been to, I've come every single year and it's been an amazing experience. Like you just come and you see so much new stuff and like it's just amazing. And what was your favorite, what was your favorite bit? The donut. Akabi! <laughs> hey, this is a great event and that's why we turned up. Where have you guys come from? Um, I'm from Middlesbrough and uh, my, my lovely fiance Imbal, she's from Israel. Fantastic. Okay, and what was your favourite bit, would you say? Well, to be honest, I think these guys on stage are doing a great job. Yeah, so. And I see they're enjoying the donuts. Absolutely, the stuff can yacht. Stuff can yacht. Yeah, awesome. I'm waiting to get the jam right now. I can't wait to get to the jam. <laughs> It's absolutely fantastic. Well done, Kolokovot, to Mayor of London, to Chabad UK, to the Jewish Forum, to everyone involved. What a night, wow. And what's been your favorite bit? Boris Johnson by far, I have to say. An absolutely inspirational figure for the community and for Britain on the whole. Brilliant, fantastic. What do you make of events like this though, when people say that the security is a great risk? I mean, have you felt insecure this evening? very secure one some people I forgot to thank as well are the unspoken unheard of heroes our community the CSC wow I mean so many people here I felt absolutely safe if people don't feel safe just listen to me listen to all of our community it's amazing Time now for this week's Jewish Schmooze. We join Clive Roslin and Adam Bradley with their guests Ruth Merrion and Jeremy Jacobs at Hanukkah in the Square where they are discussing Christmas versus Hanukkah Here's what happened. I'm really, really happy to see so many people um, looking so happy and embracing our wonderful, wonderful culture and religion. What do you think, Jeremy? Yes, it's superb. It's a great celebration of uh, Jewish life in London. It's great, and it's so lovely to see the Christmas tree from Norway lit up behind, yes, exactly. surrounded by hundreds of thousands of Jews. You know, it's brilliant. So it's quite funny, really, and it's, it's a great to see the start on the top of the tree with the Hanukkah as well, and Nelson looking down on both. It's uh, a sight to a sight to behold. Well, I, I love seeing the Hanukkah, the big I don't know, twenty foot Hanukkah with the 30-foot Christmas tree behind it. And I, I just think it's lovely to see the two things together. The tree is swaying around a bit in the wind. And 
kind of have a few hairy moments watching that. It's the one thing I love about being Jewish is that everyone is almost as excited about the Christmas tree as we are about that beautiful Hanukkah, which was actually designed by a friend of mine, just coincidentally, but it is so beautiful to look at both of them no, they in really the same are. spot. Absolutely. Do you know one of the most extraordinary things, though, to take it more seriously, is if you think back, say, as little as 10 years, 20 years, this could not have happened. No, it wouldn't, really wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I sometimes I forget, Clive, as, as to why that's the case. I mean, is it because we've had this multiculturalism thrust upon us, or is there more, are we more tolerant of, of ourselves and, 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 and the... UK government and London politics are more tolerant or is it something else? I, I tend I'm, I'm to sure. think I think we're a bit jealous are to we? be quite honest. I think a lot of Jews want to celebrate Christmas and do and to be honest I, I love Christmas time because it, everyone is just in such a good mood everything's you know it's a warm very cosy kind of time of year but one thing that really grates me is seeing Jewish people and there could well be people on this panel Jewish people with Christmas trees in their house. Actually you were looking at me Adam because you know that I'm agnostic <laughs> but I have not got a Christmas tree in my house but a lot of my Jewish friends have and there's nothing really wrong with it. Um, they call it a Hanukkah bush but we all know it's a Christmas tree come on. Well I, I've never I've always been I'm actually a Scrooge. I think Christmas is an, a commercial lot of nonsense and having a Christmas tree in a Jewish house I think is stupid. On the other hand, Christmas isn't really a Christian celebration at all. It's a heathen win midwinters. Okay, I mean maybe it started off like that but it's definitely about Jesus. I mean it's in the name Christ is Christ and Mass is prayer. So yes, it is a Christian uh, festival which, um, you know, but it, I know that it did start off as something else. How many Christians do you know go to church on Christmas oh, Day? Oh, as, as many Jews as I know, which is probably about five. <laughs> <laughs> I could add six to that. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I used to actually go to midnight mass because <laughs> my grandparents on my father's side were Catholic. So yeah, I've never been to midnight mass. Um, I'd like to try it, but actually, if I think if I'm going to go to any house of God, it will be a synagogue. Because although I'm agnostic, I am Jewish, and that's and this is about Hanukkah. Well, that's, that's reassuring to yes. hear, Ruth. That yes. really is. But really, I've decided. I, I want to press home this point about Jews celebrating Christmas because I know that so much of this country now celebrates it as as has been said in in rather a heathen way. It's not for many people. It's not a religious festival. However, it still is. Whether it's the wrong time of year, whether it's got very different the trees are from different religions and beliefs it's still a festival that celebrates the birth of jesus why jews feel the need to get involved with that i have no idea and it's it's embarrassing when i receive christmas cards from my jewish friends apparently. do you actually do that seriously no i receive them i never, I never said i sent them I won't accept. I won't accept Christmas cards from from Jewish people. I, I really won't. I take umbrage at what you said, Adam, because what is wrong with watching The Wizard of Oz once a year? Whoa, what a question! No. <laughs> or James Bond. <laughs> or James. Or whatever but the hell. That's why I say I love Christmas time, and I love the TV. I love being at home with the heating on and the rain coming down. And the outside. Queen at three o'clock. Yep. But it, it's, I, I will not have a Christmas tree or decorations in my house because we have our own festivals, we have our own traditions. 
I don't see Christians celebrating Yom Kippur. No, right, that's a ridiculous. But, but people don't want to celebrate. No, I, why I, do we do it? I agree with you. If we we are Jewish, and therefore, if we're going to celebrate anything, it should be Jewish festivals. There's no question. Exactly. And I once, I once knew a very, very, very great rabbi, the Haham Dr. Solomon Gaon, who was the Sephardi Haham um, a few years ago. Uh, he's no longer sadly with us. But he used to say, I enjoy Christmas Day, I can turn on the television, and I can eat kosher turkey. But that's all that one should do. And he said, I do not like these people, these Jews, and he was a very tolerant man. These Jews who celebrate Christmas and give each other Christmas presents. Well, they should give themselves Hanukkah presents at Hanukkah. Yes, but it's true to say that if you ask all the kosher butchers in Golders Green, they run out of turkeys in the lead up to Christmas. Yeah, that's an do, actual right. fact. Well, that's fine. That's what Dr. So Gaon said so was really, fine. So really, we're all nodding towards Christmas. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with embracing happiness, whoever it is. How many Jews eat Christmas pudding? <laughs> uh, well, I just happen not to like it, but I would. <laughs> I, I love Christmas pudding, particularly when they've got little silver thorny bits inside them. But I'm going back a few years now. I, I think it's, it's, it's extremely lovely pudding, but I don't think that you should eat it in the, in the way that some religious Christians do, which is in memory of Jesus. Um, I like it because I like it. But, you know, well, I mean, that could be again about turkey and, and cranberry sauce. The turkey, no, the turkey is something that's purely yeah. English. Or German, actually. Yeah, I think. Yeah. The truth is, though, you know, um, whenever I've worked in Jewish organisations in the past, over Hanukkah we hand around donuts, and all the non-Jewish people eat donuts because they like donuts, but they probably don't really care about the reasons behind um, Hanukkah. Yeah, but they don't go home and light the Hanukkah. No, they don't. You're you're absolutely right. You you and are. And there's no reason why they right. should. In the no. same way, there's no reason why we should embrace any other cultures traditions but don't forget we are i'm not saying we should but we are in a christian country so we do have to at least at least be tolerant of oh, it oh absolutely and accept absolutely and 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 actually we do all enjoy it because it is holiday time we live in a christian country but that's why i say I'm, I'm i'm looking out now at trafalgar square and really to see the hanukkah and the christmas tree together it's wonderful. It, 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 this is exactly what we should be doing, and we should That's be doing tolerance. it with all the communities Absolutely. in this country. Absolutely. If only, if only we could, really. Oh, that's the answer: to have Jews, Christians, Muslims, and Hindus, and all the other religions around in this country now should all be joining together and having a totally religious together program. I remember walking through the old city in Jerusalem one year. In it was in late December. And I'll be honest, it was one of the most uplifting spiritual moments I've ever had. Where you walk through the Jewish quarter, outside the doors are all the Hanukkahs lit and burning. You walk into past the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and they're all celebrating Christmas. Walk into the Arab Shuk and they're all celebrating, at the time, they were, I think they were celebrating Ramadan happened to fall on that time. And that, it, it just felt that everybody was celebrating, everybody for a moment put down their differences and just imbibe themselves in their culture but it was so accepting of everyone else's and I think it's a real model that we need to follow. Is it not a shame though that this this celebration in Trafalgar Square now that we're standing around and we're listening to and 
all these people are here. Isn't it sad when you look at it that there are probably only about 5% of non-Jewish spectators? If that, I doubt if it's even 5%. Maybe. I, I don't know if it's a shame because um, I'm not sure I would make the schlap for a, a Christmas, Christmas carol singing. Having said that, my parents did used to bring me Christmas carol singing because it's such fun. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's important, Clive. Uh, what's important is that uh, there are lots of Jewish people here enjoying themselves and the Hanukkah is here. Yes, but, but, but again, but how many people in, in, in this huge city of London know it's Hanukkah, number one, and two, they know there's some event going on in Trafalgar Square? Probably very, very few. Well, it's been broadcast and talked about in on well, where? on radio stations. It has, because I've heard them say. I don't see much media here. I, what, what I don't like, although it's nice, I think it's a, you know, it's a shame that certain political leaders should be here as well. I don't, know, I don't think that's terribly necessary. It's like, we're, you know, would it would have been any less valid if they weren't here. Um, I think Boris Johnson was here. It's nice it's here in a way, but I don't think it's necessary that the Mayor of London should be here, or indeed the mayoral candidates for uh, 2016. I mean, what they're trying to prove. Well, I think actually um, I disagree with you totally on that. And I'll tell you why, because the likes of Boris Johnson, he was voted in and for him to educate the public um, the way he is by being um, visibly pro-Jewish and there's nothing wrong with that and he's very welcome as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying he's not welcome, I'm, in a way it's a shame that he has to be here to sort of give it some sort of validation. But I could say something about uh, Jeremy Corbyn and the Hanukkah lighting in Islington a few days ago. If Boris hadn't turned up we'd be standing here in the rain saying why isn't Boris here, it's a disgrace. Really? Absolutely, and we need, we need, you know, there's nothing wrong, it's not that we need validation, I mean, Israel doesn't need validation, and the Jews, uh, you know, it's in our DNA not to need validation, but there is nothing wrong with a leader of, of the UK coming out and showing his um, solidarity with us, I'm, I like that. So actually then the Prime Minister should be here. Yes, and but he does go to things, he does. He, he does actually, yeah, he's yes, pro Jewish and. I wonder how many of, of the politicians actually celebrate Christmas or, or any other festival, whether it is a little bit for show or whether it's actually they, they believe in in the religion that they because it's not a religious festival. I, st I still have to stand by the fact that it's not a religious festival, but it's based yeah, on Christianity. We're all for show, aren't we? Let's face it. I mean, you know, it's, it's well known in our own religion that people sort of do a little bit of this and a little bit of that <laughs> but not everything you know so why why are we here today why why are we in trafalgar square like the hanukkah well it's a cultural thing it certainly is for me i love this whole thing i love the, seeing the hanukkah and all my fellow jews here having a lovely time and and also it brings all the religions together but although there may be mainly jews here there's still a fact that the, the in the center of London, the capital of, the, of Great Britain, there is something happening in Trafalgar Square which is quite fascinating and as, as was said earlier I think by Adam, that to see the Hanukkah and the Christmas tree next to each other is absolutely wonderful. No, I concur completely Clive, I, I think it's a wonderful thing and that wouldn't have been seen 40 or 50 years ago. Why don't we have such public displays for other festivals? What is it about Hanukkah? Is it, and this is what I'm tempted to believe, because it's Christmas and we want to 
kind of jump on the Christmas bandwagon and be a part of it all. Let's instead of having the Christmas lights turned on, let's have the Hanukkah lights turned on. I think that's a little, a little bit sad, really. It might well be that because um, it's all about you know light, celebrating light, and that includes Christmas as well. And uh, we again, we're in a Christian country. And there's, I think it's a wonderful thing, but also don't forget, you know, the fact that we're still here, like the Jews are still here in this world. Um, that's a huge deal, you know, and especially the, sh the turnout tonight, tonight, you know, of all the Jewish people, especially given the climate that we're in. Yes, I agree. I was just thinking about Adam said about other festivals. You couldn't have Yom Kippur, but you could probably, have, you could probably display probably something on Rosh Hashanah, maybe, maybe Pesach, possibly, which is probably the next bit of this, but we could do that. If certainly. we really wanted to make a stand, if this was about us making a stand and saying we're still here, then surely Simchat Torah would be the one where we dance around Trafalgar Square holding the, the scrolls. Why don't we do yep. that? Could are, do. Are could we do. a little bit embarrassed or, or are I'm we a little Purim. bit scared? Even better. Maybe Purim. We'll get Dress dressed up, up get and drunk. get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that won't be like the rest of the population. I think that might fit in better with, with <laughs> yeah. Western culture. Yeah, exactly. The true reason actually is that Christmas was the season of the middle of winter when the, when the clock was turning back towards summer. And Jesus' birth, it's not known for a fact that Jesus was born then. And it's become the Christian religion. But in fact, Hanukkah and Christmas celebrates the winter will soon be turning into summer. And I think that's the main reason. And that's why I think this is a very good example of two religions getting together and doing something really splendid. I mean, that, that is one thing I love about this today. I've, I've not actually been to one of these things before. I make that confession. But hearing them, hearing someone singing the bracha for the Hanukkah, then singing salam at the top of their voices and all the crowd waving their arms. I mean, that, that's... It's wonderful. And it's a little bit of a show of defiance, isn't it, to the world, which we need to continue to do. Um, and I, I think, you know, people love donuts and I think that's one of the reasons oh if there's free donuts being handed out yeah Jews will turn up <laughs> absolutely yeah, we are talking about food Simha's Torah is just about a few sweets but we're talking about carbs and sugar here well I think that's where we have to leave it but uh, wish everybody a very happy Hanukkah and uh, enjoy Christmas Day don't forget the same rules apply. If you would like to share your opinions on that very subject, Christmas versus Hanukkah, you're most welcome to do so. You can email studio at jewishviews.co.uk or you can contact us via social media. Either go to facebook.com forward slash jewishviews or on Twitter, we are at jewishviewsuk. You are listening to the very special Hanukkah in the Square edition of the Jewish Views but some things never change. It is now time for our rabbinic thought for the week. And it comes today from Rabbi James Barden from Sharai Tzedek, North London Reform Synagogue. About a year and a half ago, I had the opportunity to speak here about the Open Day, which my community, Sharai Tzedek, North London Reform Synagogue, was organizing. The newsworthy dimension was this question of openness being visible in the marketplace, on the high street, out there identifiable as a Jewish community institution. Meanwhile, at Sharet Sedek, we are once again having another open day on the afternoon of Sunday, the 13th of December. 
Sunday the 13th happens also to be the date of the last eighth candle of Hanukkah. And Hanukkah, of course, is all about visibility, creating more and more light day after day, plus carrying out a very public act of rededication. Nowadays, the expression that comes to mind is being out, which is drawn from the life experience of homosexual people. It's an expression which is still full of meaning for many. Some feel free to be open about who they are, others, however, cannot come out, and still others are forcibly outed. A year ago, I took a group from Sharad Sedek to Bletchley Park, the wartime code-breaking center. We heard about the ways in which geniuses like Alan Turing and his colleagues worked to defeat Hitler. We also heard about the way that Alan Turing was, in effect, destroyed for being, as we would now say, a gay man. Male homosexuality was a crime in those days, and Turing was arrested and convicted, and then subjected to bizarre drug treatments, as a consequence of which he chose to take his life. My group was made up of families, older people, grandparents, Jewish people of suburban North London, and our hearts all ached for the loss of Alan Turing. More recently, I went to the exhibition Out of Chaos, celebrating 100 years of the Ben-Uri Gallery. Amongst the earliest artists represented was the 19th century English-Jewish painter Simeon Solomon, and I noted that a purchase of 15 of his works a century ago was the start of the Ben-Uri collection. Simeon Solomon was also a gay man who was arrested and convicted under the laws of the day, excluded from society, disgraced, and ruined. And obviously both cases, Turing and Solomon, prompt one to think of Oscar Wilde to whom more or less the same thing happened. We too, as Jews, have known laws which made us illegal and forced us to hide. We continue to have our own dilemmas relating to the risks of being visible in society, either as individuals or communities. But we have secured the freedom to be open, to be ourselves, to be out. Previous generations of Jews didn't have it. And for others, figures like Alan Turing, Simeon Solomon, and Oscar Wilde, well, they likewise also didn't have it. Please, feel free, and I mean those words literally, to come along on Sunday afternoon, the 13th, to Sharad Sedek and Oakley Road North in Whetstone, to participate in reaffirming that freedom. Chanukah Sameach. Thank you to Rabbi James Barden from Sharai Tzedek, North London Reform Synagogue, with our thought for the week. A very fitting one, I'm sure. Well, there you have it. We hope that you have enjoyed this programme just as much as we enjoyed being out in the pouring rain. But regrettably, that's all we've got time for for this edition of The Jewish Views. Thanks to all the guests who featured on this show. There's obviously there's far too many to list, but you know who you are. We must, of course, also thank the Schmooze team, Ruth Merrion and Jeremy Jacobs. And of course, we must thank you at home for listening. Thanks also to our team, including our producers, Adam Bradley and Sue Greenberg. And of course, we must thank the Hanukkah in the Square organisers for putting up with us, walking around and driving everyone crackers. You can always download the most recent edition of The Jewish Views by visiting the Jewish News website. That address is coming up and you can search for us in iTunes as well. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News, and don't forget that you can pick up your copy of the paper every Thursday from various outlets across London, or you can read the e-version at jewishnews.co.uk. We are an independent production, part recorded at the studios of Jewish Care in London. I'm Phil Dave. Do make sure that you join us next time here on The Jewish Views, 
Chanaka Sameach and goodbye.